Morning, church. We continue our study today. We conclude our study today from the book of Ephesians. We've been calling it Created to Do Good. Um, Bruce talked about the created to do good. That comes from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. We're doing an entire study on the book of Ephesians. So just a quick review, not as much as we've been doing. There's six chapters in Ephesians. In the first three chapters, he's going to tell us who we are, who we are in Christ. And in the last three chapters, he tells us how we're going to live, how we're going to live. And the one thing we need to remember on who we are is we are empowered. There's um, Ephesians 2.10. That's who we are. We are God's workmanship. We are God's masterpiece. And um, we are created to do good works. So we need to remember that we're empowered. I pray also that you may know His incomparably great power for us who believe. I keep telling you that's the word dunamis. That's the word dynamite. God wants to explode in our lives. God wants to explode in the church. And He says that power is like the working of His mighty strength which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. So the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, He gives to us to raise us from dead, unproductive lives. Why? Again, God has a plan. God's plan was that now through the church, in parentheses, I love what the message says, through followers of Jesus like yourselves gathered in churches, through the church, The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus. So three chapters, here's who you are. A lot of words in chapter 1. We've been over those, I've been showing you those, but the one I want you to remember is we are empowered. We have power from God. Now we're going to spend, and we've been spending three chapters on, this is how I want you to live, and he uses that word live. Live a life, that's one word, worthy of the calling you've received. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live. Live a life of love. Live as children of light. Be very careful then how you live. And if you go back to chapter 2, he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you once lived. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance so that we would live in them. So he's been challenging us to live. The word is walk. The word is conduct. The word is behave. Walk decently. Walk becomingly. Maintain a certain walk of life, a certain life and conduct. Paul wants us to know that as unbelievers, we used to walk a certain way. We used to live a certain way. As believers, as followers of Christ, we walk, we conduct, we live in a different way. Being a Christ follower means we learn to live a new way. Our calling is a witness to the world, and the world should see in us a transformed life, a changed life, an empowered life, a new way to live. Why? Because the world sees so much more. I keep using this Ray Steadman quote. I really like this. It's important that Christians not be bickering, quarreling, and struggling against one another, filled with resentment and hate, A church that is like that is a totally ineffective body in its community. A church that has that kind of activity going on in its midst will have nothing to say to the world that the world will pay any attention to. So he's been telling us that this is how you need to live. So we've talked about we need to live in unity. We need to live in purity. We need to live in love. We need to live in light. We need to live carefully. We need to live in harmony. And today in Ephesians 6... 
how to live in victory. Paul's going to tell us that we need to live in victory because he wants us to know that the battle we fight is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. He wants us to know there's a war going on. He says that our battle, our struggle, is not against flesh and blood. It's a wrestling term. In the King James, we wrestle not. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We live in troubled times, but times have always been troubled. We live in sinful times, but times have always been sinful. And we're surrounded on every side by the power of darkness. And yet we live each day, and sometimes we forget each day, that our lives are a battlefield. Our lives are a constant struggle. Our lives are an unceasing fight. From the cradle to the grave, a war wages on. And our battle is not against flesh and blood. And as Christians, we need to remember that although we spend a lot of time fighting flesh and blood. We talked about that in chapter 4 and 5 on how we need to live. So if Satan can get us to attack each other, that bickering, that quarreling, that fighting, if Satan can get us to do that, he has won the battle. There's a war going on. Flesh and blood are not the enemy. Satan is the real enemy and he uses flesh and blood to defeat us. He uses flesh and blood to defeat and obstruct the Lord's work. Listen, folks, we joke about this, and we might laugh about this, but our struggle is not against the Republicans, and it's not against the Democrats, and it's not against the police, and it's not against political entity, entities, and right now it's not against the IRS, it's not against even our neighbors, it's not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The heavenly realms. He uses that phrase five times in this short letter. The heavenly realms. The stuff we don't see. Where God is working. Where Satan is attacking. The heavenly realms. Maybe to remind us that phrase is, there's more to this earth than this earth. There's more going on than what we see. There's a spiritual battle taking place every day for your soul, for your marriage, for your family, for all of your friends, there's a war going on. And we need to understand who the enemy is. So let me give you some military intelligence on the enemy. Let me tell you what Scripture says about the enemy. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. We keep reading. The tempter came to Jesus and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. We keep reading. Jesus said, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Genesis 3, when we're introduced, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. This is the enemy. It's not flesh and blood. This is the enemy. And his name is Satan. And he will use any resource, 
any resource to destroy you, to bring you down, to disrupt a church. He'll use a possession. He'll use a position. He'll use a person. He'll use some thought. He'll use some idea to lead us astray. We keep reading, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Which is why Paul says in this letter, Do not give the devil, the enemy, Satan, a foothold. Don't give him a place. Don't give him a seat in your life. Don't give him an opportunity. Don't leave any area of your life unprotected. This is not a game. This is not a game. This is not about our comfort. This is not about our desires. Satan wants to destroy us. And if he can wedge his way and make us think it's flesh and blood, he has won. And if he can wedge his way into a church to cause disruption, he has won. He's powerful. He has an entire force of demons under his leadership. He's wicked. He's evil. He's cunning. He has no moral principles. He has no code of honor. He doesn't have to fight fairly. These forces are powerful. They're numerous. They're organized. They're evil. And again, if we think that the enemy is us, he has won. It's not difficult people in our lives. It's not your spouse. It's not a family member. It's not a co-worker. It's not some evil companion. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. So Paul says there's a war that's waging. And it's in the whole universe. It may not be in your household. It's not in your household. Satan wants you to think it's in your household. There's a spiritual war going on. And it's not fought with swords or spears or primitive weapons. It's not fought with guns or tanks. It's a spiritual war with cosmic combatants. It's a war fought against spiritual forces. There's good and evil. And it's raging. And it's going on every day. And we don't talk about spiritual warfare much. But here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10. Though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. Satan wants us to. But we don't. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. There's that power, there's that energy. To demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's a war over territory. The territory of our minds. The territory of our ideas. The territory of our attitudes. The territory of our behaviors. Which is why He calls us to live a certain way. The territory of marriages and families and relationships. And Paul says the only way to fight against spiritual forces is with spiritual weapons. So he's going to tell us about the equipment. He's going to talk about put on the full armor of God. We're going to sing, Soldiers of Christ Arise. And one of the verses talks about, I never knew what the panoply, the panoply, P-A-N-O-P-L-Y, the panoply of God is. It's a Greek word, armor. It's complete armor. It's full armor. It's not some armor. It's not, I'll pick and choose armor. Put on the full armor of God. 
So Paul begins by telling us, and he has been telling us, let me tell you where you get your energy. He says, be strong in the Lord, and be strong in His mighty power, and put on the full armor of God. It's not our energy. We can't win with our energy. Put on the energy and get your energy from God. It's only with union with God that we can have a victory. So Paul's not recommending, hey, do some more weight training. Paul's not recommending, hey, practice on the gun range. Paul's not saying we need better soldiers or braver soldiers. He doesn't even put the emphasis on the soldiers. The emphasis is on the commander-in-chief who gives us the energy. Our focus should be on the energy that we get from God. But there's more. Not only does God give us His energy, He gives us His equipment. So Paul, in this chapter, talks about the helmet of salvation and the belt of truth, the sword of the Spirit, and the breastplate of righteousness, and the shield of faith, and feet protected by the gospel. Put on the belt of truth. The Bible is truth. The Word of God is truth. Jesus is truth. And Satan is the father of lies. So when the preacher, or the Bible class teacher, or somebody says, you know, you really need to read not your Bible, you really need to read the truth. This is truth, because Satan wants to feed us lies. And there's things out there that Christians believe that are not truth. That's why we need to be in the book. That's why we need to see what the truth is. Too many Christians don't know the truth. Too many Christians don't open the truth. Too many Christians open how, have how many copies of the truth and we never open Bible reading is down. Stats show that. It's not about reading the Bible. It's about knowing the truth. Because if Satan can deceive us, we start believing all kinds of junk that's not in the Word of God. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, when we're buried with Christ in baptism, he says, do not offer the parts of your body to sin, but rather offer yourselves to God and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. Put on the gospel of peace. Have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, which is why he told us we need to live in unity. Because if Satan can disrupt, if Satan can disrupt peace, then again, he's one. Take up the shield of faith so you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Satan shoots darts. You know this. He shoots darts at us every day. Darts of doubt. Darts of depression. We doubt our salvation. We doubt others' salvation. We doubt God loves us. And when we start doubting, Satan has penetrated because we're not wearing the armor. Put on the helmet of salvation and protect your mind. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then he says, I want you to pray. I want you to pray on all occasions. I want you to pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. I want you to be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And pray also for me that I will speak fearlessly. Paul says, pray for yourself. Because Satan's going to attack. If he didn't attack last week, he will next week. If he doesn't next week... He will attack. You know this. You've been on the receiving end of this warfare. So he says, pray on every occasion. We have everything we need for battle. Satan doesn't want us to believe that. 
We have confidence that comes from truth. We have protection offered by righteousness. We have footing given by the gospel. We have a defense that faith provides. We have an assurance that comes from salvation. We have power of God's word and his spirit. We have communication found in prayer. So why is Paul telling us this? Why all the talk about spiritual warfare? Why all the talk about Satan? So that. Put on the full armor of God. So that. You can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So if you want to say, if you don't put on the full armor of God, you're not going to be able to stand against His craftiness, His methods, His schemes. So that you may be able to stand your ground. These are military terms. The stand. Stand at attention. Stand ready to fight. So that after you've done everything, you will be able to stand. Paul wants us to know there is no retreat. There's not a day off. There's not a I don't feel like it. There's not a, I don't want to fight today. He wants us to stand powerful and present and protected and proactive and praying. There is no surrender. These final verses in Ephesians 6 remind us there's a war going on. Again, Satan is fighting for your soul. And if he can get you fighting against flesh and blood, he's winning. And if he can get us in a church to be fighting with each other, listen, this is about expanding the kingdom of God. This is not about expanding your kingdom, your desires, your comfort. I wish we would. I don't know why. This is about expanding the kingdom of God. And this is a stirring call to battle. Paul says the only way to fight spiritual forces is with spiritual weapons. So this is a call to stand. This is a call to stand for the truth. Again, this is not a call to stand for what you want. This is a call to stand for the truth. It's a call to stand for the church. It's a call to stand for our marriages. And to stand for our families. And to stand for Jesus Christ. This is a stirring call to stand because Satan is winning when he disrupts us. Satan is winning when you go home and battle your spouse. Satan is winning when you battle your children. Satan is winning. And you may be thinking, yeah, I, I, just, I, just, I don't feel like fighting. We don't have a choice, church. This is a call to stand. And the only way we're going to stand is through His power. His power. His power that is in us. We were created in Christ Jesus. And He gives us His power, His energy, His might, His dynamite, His dunamis. God wants to explode in us and we can live in victory. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing a song. I'd like for you to stand for the prayer and remain standing for the song. Let's stand.